Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. And I'll tell you this, the Father always delivers on His promises. Always. Always. But when? When the time's right. Not when you want Him to. When the time's right. Okay? So just chill out. Take a breath. Relax. And just know... If he is your heavenly father, he's so much better than anything in any relationship you've ever known. And he will deliver for you. If he said something, he'll come through for you. So just trust in him. The father who is faithful and true always delivers on his promises. In today's message, Pastor James will remind you that although it might not be in your timing, the Lord will do what he's promised. For he never leaves or forsakes, and he's faithful to keep his word. So rather than spending so much of your time worrying about when, trust in the knowledge that he will. So remain steadfast in your faith and seek God daily. If he has promised it, he'll follow it through. Be patient and rest in him. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Acts chapter 1 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. through the book of Acts. We do it verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We take our time with it for the most part. And uh, Acts is just a big book and there's too much in there to try to knock out a chapter at a time and all that good stuff. So if you turn with me to Acts chapter one, we're going to press on a little bit more here. Not too far because it's just too much. And we're going to address the issue of to a certain extent, I'm not going to go too far into this because it's going to come up again, but what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? We're going to kind of press out into deeper waters and see what the Word has to say about that, and, uh, and I think it'll be good. All right, Acts, look at verse 1. We'll start back there for context. Verse 1 of chapter 1 says, the former account I made, this is Luke. Luke wrote, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Luke wrote the book of Acts to his friend, Otheophilus. All that Jesus began both to do and to teach. We talked about this a little bit last week, but so Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke to Theophilus, and the book of Acts is basically just part two. It's part two of an epic saga, right? Luke is an amazing gospel, and he recounted the life of Jesus to this guy, Theophilus, and naturally what you would think as you come to the conclusion of Luke is, well, what happens next? The book of Acts tells you what happens next. You get to the end of the book of Acts, you're going to ask, well, what happens next? And I will tell you, well, look around. Look around. Because the book of Acts has never ended. Not yet. The book of Acts hasn't ended. Chapters are still being written, so to speak, not that we need them included in this book. But the Lord is still using his church and growing his church, and, and we still have a job to do here on this planet Earth. So Theophilus may have asked Luke, like, well, tell me what happens next. That's why we have the book of Acts. It's the history of the church, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, that says right there that it never stopped, that Jesus is still active. And your Bible may title this Acts of the Apostles, and I would disagree with that. It's, yeah, it could be the Acts of the Apostles, but it's really the Acts of Jesus and the Holy Spirit through the Apostles, okay? So, but Luke is recounting the story to Theophilus. Luke's a tremendous historian. It says, all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up. 
After, through the Holy Spirit, he had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering. That was his death on the cross and the burial and the resurrection. He came back alive physically, literally, he came back alive. That's what we believe. Infallible proofs, uh, his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them 40 days and speaking of these things pertaining to the kingdom of God. All right, so a little recap there. He's saying, listen, uh, Theophilus, here's uh, kind of what happened. Jesus died on the cross, he rose from the grave, and then he hung out with all his guys for about 40 days. 40 days. Not in hiding, not secretively. Like he's walking around, people saw him. They witness him. And what it says there by many infallible proofs, that's technically speaking of tangible proofs, meaning feeling, touch, not just like seeing, but people actually had encounters with Jesus, physical encounters with him. And we even know the the way Luke ended his gospel, he talked about the fact that Jesus had shown up and they had a little fish fry with his disciples. So they were eating fish on the Sea of Galilee. And they watched him eat the fish. They handled it. And John, in you know, First John, he even says, listen, we saw him. We touched him. He was risen, physically, absolutely, totally risen. The real deal. But for 40 days, and then talking about the kingdom of God, and here's where we'll be for today. Verses 4, uh, we're just going to do 4 through 8 for today. So, he says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, that's John the Baptist, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. All right, so here's Jesus with his guys, and he tells them something that is kind of just contrary to what we think should happen. You got momentum. Jesus just rose from the grave. Like, you don't get much more momentum than that, okay? Like, that's like the sweet spot, okay? He just rose from the grave. Go and tell everybody. Go now. Go, go, go. And Jesus says, no, wait. Just wait. Well, you don't understand, Lord. I mean, like, now's the time because people have literally just seen you. They will receive your message because they just saw you walking around. This is the time. Strike while the iron's hot. And Jesus says, no, 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 just wait, just wait. Because they can go in their own strength, but they won't be nearly as effective. And this is a good lesson for the Christian church to learn. We have a lot of ambition, we have a lot of drive, we want to do things, and we feel as though the Lord is calling us to do many things, and they're good things. However, if they're not spirit-empowered things, they're not going to last. They won't last, and if they do last, they won't be as effective as they could be if you would just wait on the Spirit. Just wait on the Spirit. Now, there's going to be a lot of terminology here of baptized with the Holy Spirit, and maybe you grew up with the Holy Ghost, and I don't know which, it's the third person of the Trinity. This isn't like a weird thing. Sometimes we get it mixed up, and we think Holy Spirit stuff is just weird. It's not weird. Speaking in tongues, that kind of scares us. I get it, but it's not a weird thing when we understand what it's really talking about, okay? So, but we're, we're going to keep everything in check and everything in order and all that good stuff, but these things are going to come up as we go through the book of Acts, and I think we should be educated on what these things mean because you'll be stronger for it. But here's Jesus to his disciples. He's like, listen, um, I need you guys to go to Jerusalem, and you're just going to hang out there until the Father 
delivers on his promise. And I'll tell you this, the father always delivers on his promises. Always, always. But when? When the time's right. Not when you want him to. When the time's right, okay? So just chill out, take a breath, relax, and just know if he is your heavenly father, he's so much better than anything in any relationship you've ever known. And he will deliver for you. If he said something, he'll come through for you. So just trust in him. That's what Jesus is telling his guys. He's like, listen, go to Jerusalem. You're going to hang out there. Don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Now, he told them this in the Gospels. He said himself, I'm going to go away, and it's better that I go away. Well, why would it be better that a physical, tangible Jesus leave? Doesn't it seem like it would be better if physical Jesus stayed? He says, no. It's better that I go away so that the Father can send the Spirit. And and really, that's the power behind the church itself and the beginning of the church. But Jesus is encouraging his disciples, like, listen, the Holy Spirit is coming. What these guys may not have realized at this point in time is there's three prepositions that are used when you talk about the Holy Spirit, okay? There's with, in, and upon, all right? I can throw out the Greek terms, but who cares? It's with, it's in, and it's upon, okay? We don't need the Greek. We understand that's what it is. The Holy Spirit is with you. So if you've shown up to any kind of teaching, you may remember back to like, if you got saved, you know, somebody maybe threw out a gospel invitation, you're at like a Harvest Crusade or a Billy Graham Crusade or a Franklin Graham Crusade or somebody's crusade. If you're old enough, a Billy Sunday's crusade, nobody's old enough to be a Billy Sunday crusade in here, but uh you know, where whoever the speaker is, or maybe somebody's sharing the gospel with you, um, you feel this urging inside of you, this nudging inside of you saying, that's true. What they're saying is true. What they're saying is for you. That's for you. Jesus is for you. He died on the cross for you. And you're like, yes, I want Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit with you, pushing you towards Jesus, encouraging you to accept this free gift of salvation. That's not earned by works. Not earned by works. It's a free gift. That's the Holy Spirit with you, okay? So if you're ever sitting in a service, and let me tell you this, the Holy Spirit, once you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then the Holy Spirit comes in you, takes up residence inside of you, okay? Paul would tell the church of Corinth, do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit? He lives in you. And that's the goal, right? You get saved, and the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of you. But too many Christians stop there. But there's a third preposition, A third one, the disciples at this point in time in the book of Acts, they had the Holy Spirit with them. They had the Holy Spirit in them because Jesus showed up not too long after he rose from the grave and he breathed into them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit went into them. Okay, that, anytime you read that, you should always go back to Genesis chapter one where God himself breathed life into Adam. This is a new life, new life, new creation. The Holy Spirit was in them. But even with the Holy Spirit in them, they are not ready for ministry. They are not ready to fulfill the calling that Jesus had for them because the Holy Spirit wasn't upon them. Too many believers function with just the Holy Spirit in you. It's beautiful. It's great. You're going to heaven. Perfect. You're sealed. He's got you. You're his. But why miss out on the upon? the power. Why miss out on that? You don't want to miss out on that. You're in the body of Christ, and it's not just so that we get saved so that we can be spectators, so that we can ride the pine, so to speak, in this battlefield. No, you're saved 
Number one, because the Lord loves you and he wants you to be with him for all of eternity. But then also he's got this kingdom thing that he wants you to be a part of. He wants you to be a part of it. And so he's calling you into service, but then he's also willing to equip you with more than what you need to be effective in the service. That's the Holy Spirit upon you. This is a key thing as well for you if you struggle with sin. If you gave your life to Jesus and there's certain sins within your life that you're just like, man, I can't beat this thing, I can't beat this thing. The way to gain victory over some of those things is for the Holy Spirit to come upon you and to give you that strength to that, you know, the transformation work is happening because he's in you, but sometimes you need a little extra juice in your life, so to speak, so that you can just kill these things, knock out these giants. You're not going to do it in your own strength. You need the Holy Spirit to be in you and upon you, okay? So just throwing all this out there, just so we have a, hopefully a proper understanding of when these guys get baptized with the Holy Spirit, all right? Because I don't want it to be confusing. The problem with this, where it comes into play, at least within the Christian world, is like, well, so when does this happen? Doesn't it happen? Because a lot of guys would say, well, when you get saved, then the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I'd say, well, yeah, in some cases it does, but not in all cases, not in every case, because we'll see as we go through the book of Acts, there are some groups of people who had repentance for their sins and all that good stuff, and Paul's like, well, when the Holy Spirit come upon you? And they're like, we don't even know who the Holy Spirit is. And he's like, oh. Well, let's get this straight. Let's redo this kind of, not redo it, but like, okay, you get baptized for Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit, as they laid hands on these certain people from Ephesus, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Some individuals, you know, they get saved. We'll just use that terminology. They get saved, and then the Holy Spirit fills them or dwells inside them, but then also comes upon you, and they have a radical transformation. You probably had, maybe if you've engaged people in their testimonies, you've understood that, like somebody who's like totally just living crazy gets saved, and then it's like a switch's turn, like night and day, like everything's done. I'm not doing anything anymore. Like total transformation right there on an instant. That happens. That doesn't happen all the time for everybody, though. So you can't put the Lord in a box as much as we would want to and try to put some sort of formula to this thing, like, okay, so if you receive Jesus, then what you need to expect is, yeah, the Holy Spirit's going to dwell inside you, but then he's also going to come upon you. Well, then how many more things do you want to add to that? Because some people spoke in tongues and then some people didn't. You can't put a formula to this thing. Well, are the ones who spoke in tongues more spiritual than the ones who didn't? No, that's nonsense. That's not always the sign of this thing taking place. The ultimate sign of it taking place is a changed life. We've shown some uh, videos before. I would encourage you guys to check them out if you got time. But IamSecond.com, they post a lot of testimonies of individuals who have given their lives to the Lord. And they recount like what had happened and just the transformations that have taken place. And you have a lot of testimonies where people are like, man, yeah, I was strung out on drugs. And I got saved. And I was like clean, like instantly, instantaneously. Like, and everything changed. My perspective changed. And everything changed within that instant. And then you have a lot of other testimonies that are like, gave my life to the Lord, and uh, I didn't feel anything. <laughs> didn't feel anything. And it took me a lot. I still struggled and still struggled and still struggled. And then, you know, over time, and then there was a moment in my life where it's like, boom, it's like the Holy Spirit just like was just dumped on me, like overflowing and everything changed. You can't put a formula on this thing. Nor can you hold anybody to that. It would be unfair of us to hold somebody to it. I was like, oh, okay, so tell me when you spoke in tongues. Well, I've never spoken tongues. Oh, well then, 
you must not have done it right. Well, I'll tell you, I've never spoken in tongues. As far as I know, I've never spoken in tongues. I never have. But that doesn't mean I'm not a spiritual person or mature or anything like that. If that's what the Lord wants, then he'd do whatever he wants. I don't care. That's his business. Now, I know a lot of people who have mentors of mine. They have. They have like in their closet, prayer language and all that stuff. They do that stuff. And I admire them for that. I'm like, that sounds awesome. But we can't compare each other to experience. It's like, is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Sweet. All right, we're in the same family. Been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Yeah, what was that like for you? Well, it was like this for me. It was like this for me. Different stories. Oh, okay. Same spirit, same God, same Jesus, just different ways, right? The guy that I look up to, Britt Merrick, I listened to his teachings nonstop and all that good stuff. He did a youth workers conference one day when I was a youth pastor. I went out to California to this thing, and I was sitting there. They're doing like, a, you know, an afterglow kind of service, right, where it's just music and there's prayer, and like if anybody gets a word from the Lord, come up and share it and all that good stuff, very decently and in order, and all that classic Calvary Chapel kind of way. But he threw out this thing of like, listen, if you've never been prayed for to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, we got guys around the room. And then the Lord just like nudged me. There's the Holy Spirit who was dwelling inside of me because I was one of his kids. And he's like, and I was like, I need to do that. I need to do that. So I found a guy, happened to be another one of those guys that I just truly, just absolutely looked up to and respected. And I just walked up to him. He's like smiling and, you know, he laid hands on me and prayed for me and said amen. And I was like, so did it happen? Like, did it work? Like, I don't know. That didn't do anything. And I didn't feel anything. Because it's not about feeling. It's about faith. Luke chapter 11, you serve a good father who loves you way beyond any earthly father you've ever experienced. And if you go to him, he will give you what you need. And it's speaking in reference to the Holy Spirit. And he's like, listen, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, do all that stuff. But it, essentially, it's an act of faith of like, Lord, I need, I need the Holy Spirit to come upon me. And I trust you that you will do that, whatever that means, that you will do that. D.L. Moody, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. You should be. If not, read about him. He's a tremendous man that the Lord used back in the 1800s. But I'll read this to you. Concerning him and his ministry, he'd already been preaching and doing evangelism for a while before this story happened. But in the summer of 1871, two women from D.L. Moody's congregation felt an unusual burden to pray for him that the Lord would give him the baptism of the Holy Ghost and of fire. Moody, it says, would see them praying in the front row of his church, and he became irritated. So as he's preaching, there's these two older ladies who are constantly there, and they're just praying for him the whole time. And they told him, and he had asked them at one point in time, like, what are you, so you guys are praying, what are you praying? They're like, we're praying for you. You'd be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he was offended, right? So he's like, what? What are you talking about? Well, that sparked some curiosity, and he approached it the right way. It goes on to say, but soon he gave in, and in September began to pray with them every Friday afternoon. He felt like his ministry was becoming a sounding brass with little power. He's preaching the gospel. He's doing all the stuff, but it was like, just not as effective. November 24th, 1871, Moody's church building was destroyed in the great Chicago fire. He went to New York to seek financial help. Day and night, he would walk the streets desperate for the touch of God's power in his life. Then suddenly, one day, in the city of New York, he says, oh, what a day. I cannot describe it. I seldom refer to it, which is unheard of these days, right? Like, he's kept this kind of private and personal 
He said, I seldom refer to it. It had almost become too sacred an experience to name. I can only say that God revealed himself to me and had such an experience of his love that I had asked him to stay his hand or to hold back. I can't take any more. This was his experience with this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Lord, stop. Please stop. I can't take any more. Is what he was saying. And uh, it goes on to say that, not within this article, but that story, he had to find, he knew of somebody who lived close by, and he's like, listen, I need to borrow one of your rooms for a couple of hours. And so he found some believers, he used one of their rooms where he was just on his face before the Lord because he couldn't take it anymore because the Spirit was being poured out onto him. He goes on to say, I went to preaching again. The sermons were not different. I did not present any new truths, yet hundreds were converted. I would not now be placed back where I was before that blessed experience if you should give me all of the world. It would be small dust in balance. He's like, I will never go back to the way it was. Now, here's a man preaching the gospel. He's saved. The Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of him but he had yet to experience this Holy Spirit coming upon him. And two faithful ladies within his church were just praying that for him constantly, constantly. And when that happened, the spark just ignited, and everything changed. Everything changed. He said himself, he's like, I wasn't teaching anything differently. I didn't change anything. The message was the same, but there was power. The same applies to each and every one of us within this life of following Jesus and all that stuff. We got to be just like these disciples where you may feel like the Lord is calling you to do something, but you have to learn to just pump the brakes and say, okay, Lord, help me not to move until you have empowered me. Give me the strength I need. Give me the strength I need. Because as smart as we are, and as stubborn as we are, and trust me, I stand as one of the most stubborn people you will probably ever meet in your life, we're nothing without the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you may be a son and a daughter of the king. That's great. That's beautiful. But do you want to be effective? The goal is you got one life. This is it. This is it. Now, you might try to extend this life beyond, you know, however you may, the Lord is in control of all that stuff, so it doesn't matter, whatever you want to try to do, but this is it. You have one life. You got one time on this planet Earth. Do you want to be effective, or do you just want to coast? You can be a Christian and coast. Hear me out. You can be a Christian, and you can sit on the sidelines, and you will still go to heaven. I can't handle that. That does not sit well with me. It does not sit well with me because I want to live this life to the fullest, so to speak, and do, man, Lord, what do you want for me? What do you want me to do today? What do you want me to do? And give me the boldness. Give me the courage. Give me the power to answer yes to you today because I need it. So he's encouraging his disciples. He's like, listen, you got to hang out in Jerusalem, but don't worry And as we read within that scripture reference, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not bailing on you. Me leaving is the best thing for you, and you'll see why in a minute. You'll see why. So they go to Jerusalem. They're going to hang out there. But he says, for John truly baptized with water, which they all witnessed. They were all part of that. They were there when John was baptizing with water. He says, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken
That's all we have time for today at Bread for the Broken, but we're so glad that you joined us as Pastor James continues through the book of Acts. This book is a powerful representation of how the church first began. It contains a variety of snapshots into effective ways of sharing the gospel. Some apostles shared in large groups, while others taught in more intimate settings. Some taught the gospel through words, and others shared through signs and wonders. Do you wrestle with sharing who Jesus is? Be encouraged. As long as you're teaching the hope and truth of Jesus, there is no wrong way. If you'd like prayer in this area, we would love to pray for you. Visit breadforthebroken.com, click on the contact tab, and let us know how we can be praying. If you'd like to listen to more teachings like this, you can find them too when you visit breadforthebroken.com. Just click on the teachings tab. You'll also be able to learn more about Calvary Galveston at our website, as well as find directions to our location. Calvary Galveston is a church of ordinary people seeking to live as Jesus did. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. So if you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to meet you. Our atmosphere is relaxed, so just come as you are. You can find out more and get directions on our website. Again, that's breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for listening to Pastor James's teaching today. Know that we're praying for you, and we hope you'll join us to continue digging into the book of Acts next time on Bread for the Broken.